When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Do me a favor, subscribe to the John Conn Report wherever you get your podcast you're watching on YouTube. Hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. You can find us there as part of Empire Media. That's A M P I R E. Also, for you people who join us on YouTube, we now offer a club membership. So you're, we're going to give you all the same stuff that we've been giving you that everybody can access without paying a dime. But if you want more, we're going to give you more. And among some of the perks for you can look, you can go check out the YouTube page. You got a, a section in there where it tells you what each what each tier is and what it offers. But some of the stuff will be do, that I'll be doing is having uh, live stream sessions during the season for members. And just just for the members, I'll do the live stream stuff with Bram. Then I'll have another one, probably like a mailbag session where I'll answer the, the members' questions um, on there. Send also send like a one minute uh, blast every morning um, via YouTube. You know, just you you'll be able to access that. Just a little update during the, during training camp, during the season, during other key times throughout the off season. So check it out. See which tier um, tickles your fancy, I guess, and. You know, see, let's see where it goes. I appreciate everybody who's doing it, and I don't take your support lightly. So just know that. Also, you don't forget you can read my work on ESPN.com. Today, I'm joined by former NFL general manager Randy Mueller, also a co-host of the GM podcast. Give it a listen. He has great insight. He worked in the game. He's still main, he's still very involved in, in the NFL and, and just his knowledge. And he studies this stuff. So I wanted to have him on. I've had him on before. He's a great guest, really good insight. So we get into why he, why this job is now a good one, what he thought of the Adam Peters hiring. And we start talking quarterbacks because he's studied them already, why he's not a big fan of Drake May. So take it for what it's worth. But I think with these quarterbacks, you're going to have a lot of discussion about who should be slotted where, or who's worth taking at number two, et cetera. I think we both agree that Chicago will be taking Caleb Williams. It makes sense. Anyway, that's that. So stay tuned for that in a minute. Also, a um, couple, one little note on the coaching search. This is the first week that teams can interview candidates in person. So you think Washington can now interview people like Raheem Morris, Dan Quinn, Bobby Slowick. Their teams are all eliminated. They're going to have to wait a little bit for the other four. And Glenn, Ben Johnson, uh, Mike McDonald, who's had a hell of a postseason, a really good season, and then also Anthony Weaver from the Ravens as well. So that's one thing. Though, they're, they're, they play next week, so they can interview them the following week. So this search will go on a couple more weeks. And there may be more names popping out. Again, this group is very, very, very quiet with, with their intentions. That's why if you start to see stuff, it's not coming from them, folks, because <laughs> trust me on that. Um, anyway, that's it for that. And one little programming note, um, there will be no live stream 
um, pod, no, no live stream show this week. Um, I don't believe there's, but I'll be doing it again after they hire the coach. I will be back on Tuesday morning with another podcast. So stay tuned for that. Anyway, here's my conversation with former NFL general manager, Randy Mueller. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, Randy. Well, a week ago, Washington made big news by hiring Adam Peters. I'm just curious to start with what your reaction was to that news and what you think of Adam. Love Adam. Thought he was the most qualified guy on the market. I'm glad they were able to pull the trigger sooner. I think some of us had doubts what Washington would do because of all the pomp and circumstance really behind the search committee and all the people that were involved. You you would hope that it wouldn't slow the process down and it didn't. So kudos to them. Um, I think Adam, even though he's a first time GM was the most qualified with the biggest body of work that you could access and actually see. Uh, and so I think it's a great move by uh, the commanders. Obviously it's a new group and a new, new ownership group has to still prove itself on, you know, building how they build it. But what did that move signal to you about them? It signaled to me that they weren't sleeping the last two months, that they actually had their ducks lined up. They had done a lot of research. The fact that they could pull the trigger that fast told me they did, they did their homework, which is impressive. Um, I think most thought, what are they going to do? There was a lot of questions about the group that Josh has surrounded himself with. Had they done their homework? And this clearly told me that they did. The other thing it tells me is they have a clear vision of the structure that they want uh, because they added Adam Peters as a GM early enough in the process where he can have some influence on the coaching hire. And so for that reason as well, it's it's another box that they've checked in an impressive fashion that they get him on board to now kind of lead the search, not just have input like some of the other teams have done around the league that are looking for coaches without GMs per se. Right. And, you know, when, when you, as you talked about, like there are a lot of people involved in their process, did that concern you at some point? Like there were maybe too many people or what, what was there a concern with that? It definitely concerned me. I have always thought this about the Washington market. It is convoluted. It's all, it's a busy market. It's a big market. There's a lot of people with, you know, agendas in the area, just from the political standpoint, let's face it, it is what it is. So um, I thought that, yeah, there was a concern that there's a lot of cooks in the kitchen, man, oh man, how is this going to work out? But I think they have to put most of those questions to rest in that they were definitive. They hired, in my opinion, the right guy for the job. And even though he is a first time GM, and if they end up hiring a first time coach, I'm not, not sure he's done, Adam, that is, shaping the front office to where he probably will add some experience in some way, maybe somebody from uh, uh, that's been in the GM chair to add to the mix of first-time GM, first-time coach. How important would that be for him to do, just to have – and again, yeah. Mark Mayhew's there who's been in that role, but and I don't know what his future is, um, but how important is it to have somebody else there with that kind of experience? I think it's imperative in that market because I thought this would be a tough job for a first-time GM unless he surrounded himself with some 
somebody who's been there, done that, especially from a rebuilding standpoint and a decision-making standpoint, somebody that's been through it, that can say, hey, wait a second, this is not a good idea, guys. Here's what happened to me five years ago, or here's what happened to me 10 years ago. They need some of that perspective, especially, like I said, if they end up with a first-time head coach. It can be done, but I think Adam knows that, and I think he'll add that to the decision-making mix at the top of the uh, front office. And do you think because the market, just like you said, some of the, you know, what's the political aspect or is there something else about this market from, from an outsider's perspective that kind of leads you to say that? It's always seemed to me, and this is from afar, John, but you know better than I, it's always seemed like a place where this information got leaked out or that mm-hmm. information, it just wasn't tidied up. It was always kind of a, let's put our finger in the dike here. And maybe that was the Dan Snyder era, right. but I think it was always like that where you just didn't know where the agenda and information was coming from. And I think to be successful, especially at the top level, elite level of the NFL, you've got to have your own building buttoned up and a way of doing business that you don't have those questions about trust, about any of that stuff. And that's just always been a place that, to me, struggled to reach that that level of confidence of everybody being on the same page and everybody pushing the same direction. And I think that, to be honest, Randy, I think that's been a huge point of emphasis for this group because I have heard from, from definitely from people, they understand how leaky this organization has been in many corners. So I think it's been a priority for them. In fact, like the stuff that's getting, that's coming out about the search, it's not coming from them. So I think that's like, I think to your point, I think it's something they recognize and are trying to change. How important is it to kind of get away from that? Oh, I think it's imperative to get anything done. I think you've got to close up ranks around you. And and yeah, the the media has a right to certain information. I get it. So do fans. So does a lot of people. But it's got to be used in a way that is the, the good of the Washington commanders has to be at the forefront when information gets out. And you know what? If it doesn't make us better or suit us, then the information's not getting out. So I do think, and I'm glad to hear that they're very aware of that, because I think going forward, it gives a guy like Adam a chance. It gives the football side a chance when they're not fighting the enemy, maybe where they don't know where it's coming from. You know, their head's on a swivel all the time. And that's just, it's really the NFL, but in a market like the Beltway, it seems like it's been more prevalent. Oh, and it definitely has. And you know, it's funny because, for years, a lot of people would ask you why there's so many. And a lot of it was when you don't treat people well and you're not winning, yeah. it's just that right. combination becomes very bad. And toxic, a lot toxic. Of yes, yeah. very toxic. toxic. So if you're a head coach then and you see that they what they've done so far, how does this job look to, like to you? Well, I had just had this discussion with Mike Sander, who I do a podcast with for The yeah, Athletic. Mike's the great. football GM football GM. And we talked about this and I think it definitely raises the Washington franchise in my eyes. If I'm a coach because the definitive nature by how they've made decisions. Um, I don't think the cooks in the kitchen are going to dissuade anybody to come take the job. Cause let's face it. It is, should be a great job. It's in a great market. It is historic franchise. The NFL's better when the Washington football team is at its best. And I think everybody wants that. Um, so I, I think it's a good job. I think Adam makes it a good job. I think the the key for me, if I'm a coach that's considering this or I'm going to be interviewed there, I want to know, will ownership support the collaborative effort of the GM and the head coach in every way? And if they will, it's a good job. So I think once, once 
Adam is able to calm any fears of any candidate on the coaching side. And I think he will, because he has that personality. I think then it'll be open and a desirable location for, for just about any coach. What would you put as the most, and you been in that, you know, in the general manager's chair, when you're talking to people, what are typically the most important things for a prospective coach when they're looking at an organization? Well, I think they want to, they want to know that they're going to be heard. Um, I want to know their vision and what they want going forward, how they see the team building part of it. I think a coach wants to know that his GM is um, collaborative and and consensus building style. It matches with what his is going to be. And that ownership will, will spend money, will support ideas, will support the acquisition of talent. I mean, it's clear that this is a great location just from the standpoint of Nobody else has 75 million available under the salary cap for one thing. So the tools for a GM and for a head coach, I think make it a great job alone. But if ownership is willing to back you, and when I say back you, they have to, and I think this group will, cash over cap even takes and expands that 75 million even further. And there are some NFL franchises that will balk a little bit at some of that, but the good ones from a football standpoint, if you can make your choices and decisions clear to ownership that they say, yep, that makes sense. I'm on board. That's all you can ask from an owner. You know, and I know it's funny because you bring up Mike Sandel and Mike is, I love Mike and he, cause he worked for ESPN for a while. I know he's done, he does yep. really good work. He had, this as the sixth best job out of the eight yep. open. That seemed low to me. It surprised me how, you know, and, and I don't, you know, and I, he's got, he, Mike has good analysis and all that, but I'm curious where you would, how you might, fit it in there with the other open compared to the other openings. Well, I did the same thing for the GM job for the athletic. And okay. I think I was middle of the road on where the commanders were, but I think part of Mike's, I don't want to take credit for it, but part of his hesitation might've been from hearing me and my description of all the cooks, all yeah. the thing that's going on, but they squelched a lot of those rumors. So that's why I think, if we had it to do over again, Mike might say, hey, yeah, we probably need to move them up a little bit, especially with the approval stamp. And no, not that my approval means anything, but others have given them for hiring Adam. I think that goes a long ways. Yeah, and I, I think I think you're probably right. So if you're looking at, um, first of all, they have the second pick. Is there any yeah. doubt in your mind where they would go, or do you think there is doubt? Um, there may be doubt on the particular player still, but I don't think there's any question the number one job is to fill the quarterback spot. Right. And you're right. not going to, your thinking is we're never going to pick up here again because we're going to be better. So we got to make it count. And I think it's a great year to have that because I think you're going to have some choices at quarterback depending on your favorite flavor. You know, it's why the ice cream shop has 31 flavors. It's, right. You get to pick the one you like. And there are a couple worthy of being picked high for reasons other than we have a need. The right. skill set matches. The, the the production matters. It's a great time to have the second pick. I think there are teams that seem like for years have had top picks, but there were no quarterbacks worthy of being picked there. This year's a lucky, lucky, lucky that's a cyclical uh option that's come up that that makes sense for for all these teams really in the top yeah. five. Have you done much work on any of these quarterbacks yet? Have you had a chance to watch them a lot? Or do you have any early impressions of, because obviously it's, it's Caleb. I'm assuming Chicago is there, but Caleb, then Drake May and Jaden Daniels. Do you have any, have you developed any firm thoughts on any of those guys yet? 
Yeah, I've, I've actually watched a lot of them, John, a okay. lot. And I spent a lot of my fall, I actually saw a couple, three of them live on in on purpose um, so that I would have my ducks lined up. Um, for me, Caleb Williams is special. I don't know that I've seen a kid like him uh, come out. And for that reason, in a long time, uh, for that reason, I, I think the Bears are, once they gather information and give it all due process, I'm imagining that's who they're going to pick. Um, I am not a Drake May guy, so I'm not the right guy to throw yeah. bouquets that way. I just haven't seen anything that wows me, and I don't want to beat the kid up. He's He's been, for whatever reason, some people like him. That's just not my style. But I do like Jalen Daniels. I actually like J.J. McCarthy as well. Mm. And I think both of these guys will be in the mix for top 10 type selections when the process, when all the dust settles. So I think you could make a case for any of those three being picked in the top six or eight picks and no doubt. The Drake May one, uh, maybe at some point I'll come around, but I've seen a lot of film and I'm still waiting to be impressed. I think a lot of times early in that evaluative process, the outsiders the people not in NFL buildings build up these players yeah. and they take a liking to them in September and come hell or high water, they're going to keep selling. They're going to keep pushing. And I'm just not buying that Kool-Aid uh, until I actually get my eyes on them. And here's the other thing to keep in mind. Really none of the coaches have even been heard yet. Right. And I find that history shows me once the coaches get involved as well, they tend to kind of line up with those of us that have done it for a living for a long time. And so I think there'll be a more clear consensus the further we get into this. Yeah. And I think obviously too, until they have a head coach here, we don't know what style even yeah. they're looking for with, with right. may I'm, I'm curious. And what is it that you haven't seen? And some people compare him to Justin Herbert. Do you even see that at all? I know the size and, and, and all that. Yeah. I think the biggest thing is you just hit on it. The size is what everybody sees. Everybody sees 6'4", 220 pounds, um, but I don't see elite arm like yeah. Herbert. I don't see elite anticipation or processing like Herbert. Um, so there's some things that I don't think that's a good comparison. I see more of a little bigger Mac Jones. That's what mm. I see. Somebody like that. I think his arm strength to me is is ordinary for NFL levels. But the bigger thing to me is inconsistent accuracy and inconsistent timing within structure to anticipate throws. I struggle with that. I just haven't seen that. And then with Jaden, because he can be electric. What do you, what are your thoughts on him so far? I think he can make all the throws. I think he's athletic enough to extend plays. I think he, when I say make the throws, he can make them from structure in the pocket can actually time his throws pretty good. I see a, a little rougher around the edges, CJ Stroud type skill set. Um, I'm not going to say CJ Stroud, but right. he's he's along those lines of style and substance. Um, I, I remember seeing this kid early in his career at Arizona State. I want to say he started as a true freshman. And I remember studying him hard and said, this kid's probably a third round value then. And he's gotten better since he got to LSU. He washed out two bad years at Arizona yeah. State. Uh, at the end of Herm's tenure there, it just wasn't good. Um, they've done a good job at, at LSU bringing him along. So I think his skill set fits with an NFL offense that can process, read coverage, and get the ball out quick. I, I didn't really have a ton of doubts about the kid. Okay, good. And then with with Chicago, just, you know, you you would assume they're going to trade Justin Fields. Where do you do? You, what kind of thought? What 
do you think of Justin as far as like his future in the NFL? Is he a guy worth training for? I mean, I'm assuming if you're Washington, you're going to, you should draft somebody, but who, who, you know, what team might be a good fit for him? And would you, would you pick him up if you could? I think it really depends on where your offense is going. I think if it's, if it's an Arthur Smith run Atlanta team, I think that would have been a destination. I say that, and then they passed on him coming out. Right. So maybe there was something that they didn't like then. But I think it's got to be a play action, um, RPO type style that works best for him. He, he's he been three years in, in a couple different systems. And obviously the Bears haven't done him any justice by how they've created a chaos around him with system, with not such a good team. Um, but he still, for my money, is inconsistent accuracy, inconsistent getting the ball out on time. And those to me are bordering on flaws that are hard to fix. Mm. Unless you just go with the system that he has proved he can run because he will make wow plays. It just won't be on time and in a structure. And so that bothers me a little bit after three years. Um, I've been a big fan of his and thought he was worthy of getting picked. I think what's happened to him in Chicago has yeah. hurt his development. Somebody might find that. Uh, to be attractive. I don't know where, but the position itself is so hard to find that somebody might say, Hey, this is better than what we have, even right. though it might not be ideal. And you might get, you know, if you're the bears, you might get a second or third round pick for, for the guy. I don't think you're going to get a top pick for him. Not at this point in his development. What's your valuation of Sam Howell? Um, kind of unfair to be honest with you. I, I, I think he threw more balls this year from a two score disadvantage than anybody I've ever yeah. seen. I mean, they're behind every game. Their point differential was awful. Um, they couldn't protect. And some of that was on, on Sam, but I thought they did a terrible job rebuilding that offensive line. It never got rebuilt, but I don't know how much of that was on the, the system on the upfront protections or on Sam holding the ball. So I think it's hard to get a real gauge. Um, I don't think going forward, you could, bank on him being a guy uh, not to say he might not be at some point but he was really put in some tough spots all year long uh in my opinion yeah and i think that's why like when you have a new group coming in you're going to yeah. pick your guy i mean how yeah. would you be shocked if they went anywhere other you know if they did anything at two other than stay there and pick a quarterback i mean some people say oh I trade back and to keep building it just seems like if you're a new group you want your guy in there I think you not only want your guy, John, it's like I said, your thinking is you're never going to pick up here again right. to get a guy. So you've got to take advantage of the second pick. And to me, um, there may be a, a slightly better player at another position. It still doesn't matter. We got to have a quarterback if we want to have a chance. And there's no better time now because we're going to have a long rope as new decision makers. And let's just do it with a kid who we're developing in our own vision and in our own system couple more questions. I know you had experience with Dan Quinn in Miami. And mm -hmm. I'm just curious, like he's one of the names that is on Washington's list. And do, first of all, what are your thoughts on him as you know, he's, we've seen him as a head coach, seen him as a D coordinator. What are your thoughts on him? Uh, obviously a great guy. Um, very upbeat personality wise, very much like uh, Pete Carroll in mm -hmm. personality. Um, he plays a certain style of defense that has its, pluses and minuses. We just saw the other day, a defense that was structured, I assume to his liking, but is kind of light in the butt gets pushed around, not anchor up front, which surprises me because he spent some time 
in the Nick Saban school as well. Yeah. Um, he was with Will Muschamp, who runs the Nick Saban stuff, whether it was a Florida or wherever. So that is a total other end of the spectrum for what Dan has shown uh, with the Cowboys. He's got pass rushers up the yin-yang, but they lack a structure on defense that is problematic against certain matchups. So that would be a problem for me. I think Dan can lead men. I think he's shown he could do that in Atlanta. Um, I don't know that he's going to fix the defense exactly like you want it as a visionary going forward, but you'd have to consider uh, getting his opinion on a whole bunch of things because Super Bowl coaches don't grow on trees, and he's been there at least done that. Would you have any qualms hiring or, or hiring him, or would a lot of this stuff? What would would that other stuff give you pause, and you'd want to look elsewhere? It kind of depends on the options you have. Okay. I wouldn't necessarily have any pause about him. I think I know him well, but you bring up the quarterback situation. Are we better suited to uh, hire someone who can number one develop this guy going forward and? that's probably done best uh, from the offensive side of, of the leadership standpoint. Right? But Hey, who knows? Maybe Dan hires an offensive coordinator. That's the next, you know, Ben Johnson. I don't know. Well, well speaking of Ben, what do you, do you have thoughts on him as a, as a candidate? I mean, I'm sure you've seen his offense quite a bit, but. I've said since last year, it's the best designed hmm. uh, offense in the league. He does a great job of from a, game planning standpoint, executing things, but the, it's the design, it's the ideas, it's the thing that he comes up with week in and week out that have impressed me. And I don't know the man at all, have never met him, don't know anything about his personality. There's a lot of intangibles that obviously have to go fit with a head coach in the NFL. But from an offensive scheme standpoint, I think that is what he's done with Jared Goff should be an indicator that he can do that somewhere else. And he seems to have, just for my money, John, more answers for the quarterback than most other places. And I happen to think that's maybe the most important thing. I There were a lot of times this year I watched these the games. I'm thinking they didn't give him an answer on this play. That's huge. And, you know, but yeah. he does like he also it's funny because for uh, an offensive minded guy, he likes to run a lot of power. And it's mm -hmm. you know, it's like there's there's some of those elements to it where it's not just trying to be fancy. It's running. It's it's a good mix of what he does and the play action and all that. Um, yes. do, is there another candidate out there that, you know, that you have looked at and you think he's maybe a sleeper candidate for whether it's here or somewhere else? Well, I don't know if he's a sleeper. Yeah. But uh, I like the makeup of Brian Callahan at Cincinnati. Okay. He has not managed an offense like Ben has. So he's right. a little bit removed from that decision-making role, but I know this, they bank on him a lot. He does a really good job in helping Zach in Cincinnati game plan, um, implement game plans, teach so much of this nowadays, John is, is everything changes week to week. And if you don't have teachers, especially on the offensive side, it's a struggle yeah. and really on the defensive side too. You've got, you look at Matt LaFleur, what he did this year in green Bay from week one to week 19, where they're at now, right. the development of those players, the teaching skills, the understanding of the system that finally sunk in for those young receivers. That's what we're all looking for. We're looking to hire a coach and he doesn't have to be young. He's just got to be able to communicate and teach because it's not what we know as coaches. It's what we can teach, right? We can be the smartest guy in the world, but if you, as my player can't figure everything out, that's my problem. And right. that's the I thing you got to find. Right. And I think that's the key for any, anybody who's not, a, who's going to be a first time 
can they do that? But that's where, yeah. and I go back to Ben Johnson. If you're, you know, if you're a guy like that, are you looking automatically at like, okay, maybe this team has a better quarterback or are you looking at like, I can mold this guy and he can, you know, and I like this setup maybe here in Washington versus somewhere else. I think you are confident in that you, and I know this as a GM, I would be confident that I can find the right guy to run the exact system that you want to run. And I think that's what these coaches will feel like. The fact that they don't have a labeled quarterback as a franchise guy, I don't think that's discouraging at all, especially not this year when we've talked about how high they pick. And there'll be other teams, though, that I think have a lesser pick. That that wouldn't dissuade me at all from a job. I'm confident I can find the right guy. Just give me a little time. Let's set the criteria for exactly what we're going to do on offense, and then we'll find the right fit to make us better. Last thing, you worked with Nick Saban in Miami. He just recently retired. What was it like working for him? And then what are your thoughts on him, um, you know, having retired now? I was shocked that he retired. Um, I've remained in contact with him since we were together in Miami. We're total opposites, John, in personality, in about everything we do. But I always come back to this. I had 20 plus years in my back pocket when I went to work for Nick Saban. Had built playoff teams, had had some successes, NFL executive of the year, blah, blah, blah. He made me so much better at my job. I never thought I could ever have said, hey, wow, I I don't do this. I don't do that. I thought I was organized. I thought I was thorough. I thought I was working harder than most. He pushed the envelope to me even further, which I'll be forever indebted to him because he made me so much better. Like I said, if you just have an open mind to any type of coaching like that, whether it's a player or another assistant coach or a front office employee, and you have a chance to be around that. The best thing about Nick was, yeah, he would grind you, but he held everybody accountable and he was fair. And he was right there with you shoulder to shoulder working every day. He looked at every player we even talked about himself. He didn't take it his word of anybody. He, Him and I studied players together night after night. And I don't know how he had enough energy to do it, but It was awesome for me to be around it. We had a system in Miami that he then took with him to Alabama. And if I was ever anywhere else, I would have taken that same system as well. It was the best I've ever seen at identifying players, valuing players, and team building with that. It was awesome. And and it's come to fruition for him for, gosh, what, 15 years at Alabama. So you weren't surprised by the success he had there then? Not at all. Not at all. He's very good at identifying exactly what he wants and made me a believer in if we set a criteria or a job description and we can fit it with any player out there, he's going to find the right fit for him. It may not be the right guy for John Kime right. or Randy Mueller, but it's for him. And that's what he is disciplined enough to do every time he chooses a player. It's how does he fit for us? That's how, That's hard to do. It's hard to have that discipline, no doubt. Yeah. We, I'll give you one quick story. We we used to have a process when we set our draft board. He'd go around the room and he'd say, does everybody think there's one card that's completely out of line that you don't like that you could change? And one time he came to me, and you remember the player Tomba Ali, right? The rusher yeah. from oh, Kansas yeah, yeah, City. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I said, coach, we, we need guys like this. This is exactly what we're missing as a rusher. And he said to me, he said, Randy, we do not have a position for Tom Baldi. I'm sorry, you and I have talked about this. He pushed back and he's right. We did not have a position. So he was okay letting him go somewhere else, letting him go to Kansas City, even though he's really good. Mm-hmm. He just didn't fit us. But that kind of discipline never, never wavered. And you're right. Most coaches are saying, just give me players. I'll figure right. out a way to use them when I get them. 
That's not the way Nick is. He only wants the guys that fit with him, and he's fine if they go somewhere else. And it's funny because one of the things that Adam Peters has been known for is identifying guys that fit the schemes of the teams that he's with. So it's a big trait, trait, and we'll see how it works out. So, Randy, I appreciate your time and your insight. It's always, always, always really good. So thank you very much. You bet, John. Anytime. That's it for this episode. Thanks to Randy for joining me. And thank you, as always, for tuning in. I'll be back on Tuesday with another show. So I'll talk to you next time.